Hello, and welcome to the Mac Fraser podcast. Today, we're going to do another chapter of a still untitled novel. This is an experimental project I have got going. Uh, if you're not into the novel chapter episodes, of which I guess there's been one so far, you can go ahead and skip this one. And, you know, what the heck? It's not like you need my permission to skip any of these episodes. If this is not your thing, there should be the uh, audio version of my next YouTube video will be dropping later on this week. And uh, there I'm going to be talking about New Year's resolutions. But for this episode, we're going to read chapter two. And uh, this is where I would insert some music if I had some good novel intro music. Um, maybe I'll find some for next week. Anyway, here we go. James McConnell couldn't sleep. He'd had that dream again. He reached over to his bedside table and picked up his phone and looked at the time. 5.48 a.m. He'd read somewhere that if you wanted to be able to remember your dreams, you should lie very still when you first woke up. Something about the chemicals in your brain resetting like an etch-a-sketch when you moved your head. James sat up and shook his head vigorously, swung his feet over the side of his bed, and stood up. Walking slowly, he threw on a shirt, left his dark bedroom, and walked through his empty house to the kitchen. Blearily, he put water in the espresso machine and turned it on. Might as well start the day. While the water heated up, he went over to his desk in the room next to the kitchen and sat down at his computer. The room had originally been intended as a small dining room when he and Sandra had bought the house. Using it as an office had only meant to have been a temporary thing, but then... Shaking his head to clear it, James sat down, turned on his computer, and opened a browser window to his email. His last job had just ended, and he could really use some new work to get his mind off things. He could also use the money. He still had a fair-sized chunk of cash from when he'd sold his portion of a software company to his partners at the end of last year, but that wouldn't last forever. Glancing over his inbox, he saw three alerts from a job board, a message from his brother in New York, something from someone he didn't recognize, and a mail from an old client. The first one was a database job here in Austin. He skimmed over the details. Six-week project, okay pay, possibility for a longer-term commitment. The next was a web developer job for a company in California. Terrible pay, obviously geared toward hiring someone from overseas. The third was equally uninteresting. Maybe he'd take a break for a few days and just, what, sit around the house in his underwear? Skipping past the mail from his brother, he clicked the message from the stranger. Mr. McConnell, we've never met, but a mutual acquaintance gave me your name. I have a somewhat unusual project I've been working on that now requires someone with your skills. It may also involve some international travel, which of course I will pay for. My previous developer stopped work rather suddenly, and I'm anxious to get the project back on track. So, I'm anxious to find someone right away. Due to the sensitive nature of it all, I'm not at liberty to discuss details over email. I would love to arrange a face-to-face -face as soon as possible. The pay is very good, and the project is one that I think you will find interesting. Let me know right away if I've piqued your curiosity, and when you are available for a meeting. I'll be in Austin until Thursday. Nick. Stavros. James thought that was strange. 
may involve international travel? Usually his jobs were projects he worked almost entirely from his home. Occasionally he had clients that wanted to meet face-to-face -face a few times, but more often than not, email, Skype, and the telephone were sufficient. In fact, he generally sought out that kind of relationship. He preferred to keep the world at a distance these days. Continuing on down through his inbox, he opened the message from his last client, dated last Friday. James, great job in the security module. As expected, the final system passed through testing without any problems. Your final payment is being sent right now. By the way, I should probably give you a heads up. I gave your email address to a guy named Nicholas Stavros. I met him at a developers conference here in Austin about a year ago. He's some sort of entrepreneur. I don't remember what he said at the time he did. But anyway, he called me out of the blue first thing this morning. He was asking all sorts of questions about cryptography that made me immediately think of you. I told him about your Skytail program, and he asked for your contact info. He's an odd bird, James. Super rich and a little eccentric. But reading between the lines, it sounded like he was doing something with darknet technology, which I knew you'd find intriguing. I hope it's okay that I gave him your info. Barry Leventhal, IT Director, Organist, Inc., Westchester, PA. Now James was even more curious. A darknet was a system used to distribute data over the internet anonymously. Many darknets were used to avoid government surveillance. They were popular with dissident movements and criminals. There were, of course, legitimate uses for a darknet. For instance, he had heard of journalists using darknet technology to communicate with whistleblowers and other sensitive sources that needed to protect their identity. James again looked at his inbox. Besides the message from his brother, the rest was mostly junk. He got up and walked back into the kitchen to get his espresso going. He put a pod into the machine and turned it on. Mentally counting to ten, he watched as the espresso filled the half-sized glass espresso cup. The machine and the set of cups had been a gift from Sandra on his 35th birthday. They'd been married for ten months at that point. He shut off the pump on the machine but left the power on. There would be several more cups of concentrated caffeine before he was done with his morning. He stirred a demi-toss of sugar into the cup and took a sip. The sweet and bitter warmth complemented his mood as he allowed himself to remember that day, just over a year ago. She'd brought him breakfast in bed. He'd awoken to the earthy smell of espresso and assumed she'd brought it back from the Starbucks near their house. He'd been delighted to find out what she'd bought him. Sandra herself hadn't been a coffee person. She'd preferred herbal teas. As he took another sip from his espresso, he was suddenly overwhelmed with the memory of cinnamon on her warm breath as they kissed that morning. His birthday breakfast had been cold by the time they finished it, but neither of them had minded. He shook his head. Today the memories were unusually persistent. He glanced down at his phone to look at the date. October 29th, 11 days since his 35th birthday. And tomorrow would mark one year since... James shoved that thought into a corner of his mind and went back to his desk. He thought he should probably take the six-week database job. It would be easy work, but it would keep him busy. It was safe and predictable. Finally, he clicked on the message from his brother, Robert. Hey friend, I just wanted to let you know that Barbara and I are thinking of you. You should come back east and visit with us sometime soon. Our kids would love to see their uncle again. I know this past year has been really hard for you since Sandy died. And I respect that you have to grieve in your own way, but we worry about you. It's not good to just cut yourself off from everybody. Call me. Let's talk. Robert.
James stared at the screen. His throat tightened. Robert was probably right. At this point, he was all the family James had in the world. But Robert and his wife Barbara and their two kids were a painful reminder of the life he himself did not have. The one he was supposed to have begun by now. James closed the message and impulsively clicked back to the one from Nick Stavros. He hit reply and wrote, Mr. Stavros, I'd love to talk about your job. I'm free all day today. How soon can we meet? Call or text my cell phone at the number in my email signature. James McConnell. James was not a particularly religious person, despite having been raised in a Christian household. When his young wife had died less than a year into their marriage, his world fell apart. Within a few weeks, he cashed out of a successful computer consulting company, despite his two business partners' protest. He stopped answering his phone shortly afterward, and for about three more weeks did not leave his house, except for two trips to buy food. During his isolation, he tried reading the Bible. He spent time flipping through religious websites. He bought a copy of, but did not read, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And he had even picked up and read a little of a book called Heaven and Hell by some mystic philosopher guy named Swedenborg. But none of it stuck. He was only searching half-heartedly. He clung to the idea that somehow his Sandra was not truly gone, that she had not suddenly and cruelly passed into non-existence. But how could anyone really know? After the third week of this, he decided that he needed to do something, even though he couldn't imagine what. He showered, shaved, put on a clean shirt, and headed out into the city. He and Sandra had only just moved to Austin from Pittsburgh, and he didn't really know anybody in town at that point. All his connections, friends, former co-workers, family, were back east. So he drove around aimlessly, just looking for something. Eventually, he had found himself driving east on Rutland, just ten minutes from his house in the Mesa Oaks neighborhood of northwest Austin, when he saw a sign for a martial arts school. Giving in to impulsiveness, he had pulled into the parking lot, gone in, and signed up for a Tai Chi class. He had taken Tai Chi before, while he was in college, years ago. Maybe a class now would help him clear his head. And besides, he had thought, a little human contact might be what he needed. Shortly after that, James started taking on jobs as a freelance programmer and computer consultant. That had been over ten months ago. Now, as James pulled into the parking lot in front of the martial arts school, he reflected that it had indeed been a good idea to take up Tai Chi again. The slow, careful, practiced movements, combined with measured breathing and focused awareness, gave him the ability to clear his mind for a little while and find occasional moments of peace. He got out of his car, took his sword and sash from the back seat, and walked up to the building's entrance. There were three other cars in the parking lot. At this time of the morning, none of the other businesses in this little industrial park were open, as far as James knew. One of the cars would belong to Anthony, who was the early morning instructor. One of them would be Eric, the only other guy that was doing these optional Monday morning classes. So, who was the third? As he walked in the door, he got his answer. There were Anthony and Eric in their uniforms. And, out on the floor with them, was a woman in sweats and a t-shirt. As James tied his sash on over his uniform, he watched her speaking with Anthony. Her brownish-blonde hair swung in a ponytail as she shook her head to say no in response to some question of Anthony's. She looked to be about James's age, maybe a little younger. "'James, you going to join us?' James snapped out of his reverie and answered Anthony. "'Yeah, just a sec.' He kicked off his shoes, stuffed his keys and phone into one of them, and placed them by his sheathed sword. 
He stepped onto the padded floor with the quick bow that tradition called for and walked over to where the others were standing. James, Eric, this is Danielle. She's trying out Tai Chi this week to see how she likes it. James nodded to Danielle, and she quickly smiled back at him, then turned back toward the instructor. James didn't know what to do with what he was feeling. Danielle was attractive, and when she smiled at him, it felt... good. But at the exact same moment that feeling came over him, he was suddenly awash with a sense of guilt. It hasn't even been a year, and already he's looking at other women? What was wrong with him? Nevertheless, it felt good to have a woman smile at him like that. This morning, the class did not do anything to help James clear his mind. As he moved slowly and deliberately through the forums, he wrestled internally with these feelings. Try as he might, he could not push them aside. He went from feeling guilt about disrespecting his wife's memory to the more familiar empty ache of grief and onto a harsh examination of how he'd been living, or really not living, his life this past year. After thirty minutes, he and Eric switched to practicing sword forms while Anthony worked more closely with Danielle, explaining some of the basic principles behind Tai Chi. As James stepped through the movements, he started to regain focus. But then a turn brought him around to face where Danielle was standing with her back to him, and his concentration broke once again. James stopped. Breaking his stance and lowering his tired sword arm, he wiped his left wrist across his slightly sweaty brow and looked up at the clock on the wall across the room. Their time was about up anyway, so he sheathed his sword. He walked to the edge of the mat, turned and bowed out, then sat down on a chair to put on his shoes. As he pulled his cell phone out of his left shoe where he'd left it, he noticed that he had a voicemail waiting for him. He put on his shoes, took the colored sash off, and folded it up, then picked up his car keys and his phone. As he was walking toward the door, he thumbed on his phone again and looked at the number it displayed. He didn't recognize it. The error code was 504. Where was that? James looked up from his phone just as he crashed head-on with Danielle. Danielle put her hand on James's arm to steady herself. I'm so sorry. Uh, James, was it? Uh, yeah. No. I mean, yes, I'm James, but no, it was my fault. Here, let me get that, said Danielle as she let go of his arm and bent down to pick up James' smartphone, which evidently he had dropped when he ran into her. Glancing at it, she said, No cracked screen. James accepted the phone back from her. Yeah, lucky, I guess. So, New Orleans, huh? James stared at her a moment. What? Danielle blushed. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be nosy. It's just that I noticed you've got a missed call from the 504 area code. That's New Orleans. I went to school there. James was very aware of how close they were standing. He blurted out the first thing that came to mind. Oh, Tulane? She shook her head. Loyola. Ah, okay. Well, uh, it was nice meeting you, Danielle. Do you think you'll sign up for the full Tai Chi program? Danielle looked at him. Yeah, I was thinking I would. I'm kind of a klutz, as you've unfortunately discovered for yourself. Danielle smiled. I think this class may be just what I need. Yeah, said James. Tai Chi is really helpful for working on balance. Danielle paused, looking at him. Then she said, Is that why you're taking this class? James hesitated. Well, no. I'm doing it more as a way of calming my mind. Sort of a moving meditation, if you will. Suddenly he felt uncomfortable. Well, I gotta get going. I've got a ton to do today. Okay, said Danielle. I'll see you at the Wednesday evening class. Okay, see you then. James made a hasty exit out into the parking lot. Sitting in his car outside, James realized he had absolutely nothing to do today. 
life between consulting jobs was hardest for him, because without work to do, he had no escape from his inner world. Even so, as he drove home, he began to have second thoughts about this Nicholas Stavros guy. Something felt wrong about the situation, although he couldn't really pinpoint anything specific. Heck, he didn't yet know anything specific. As he pulled into the driveway of the single-story house he and Sandra had bought when they moved to Austin, he had just about decided he would turn down whatever Stavros had to offer and just take the six-week database job, assuming it was still available. And that is chapter two of the unnamed novel that, as you now know, takes place in Austin, Texas. All right, so if you listen to that to the end, I hope that uh, it was worth your time. As I mentioned last episode, partly what I'm trying to do is just sort of build up a habit of always recording. So there are going to be some days when I don't actually have anything prepped to record, and I'm just going to be moving through the chapters of this novel. Um, and uh, eventually, that's going to force me to write some new chapters, because uh, I will run into the end of the the uh, sidewalk, so to speak. And, uh, well, yeah. In the meantime, uh, hope you're having a good day, good week. And uh, like I said, stay tuned. There should be something coming up soon on my YouTube channel, which will also show up here in the, the audio podcast on the topic of New Year's resolutions. Yes, it's early December, but um, spoiler alert, one of the reasons you, New Year's resolutions often fail, I think, is that they're not really well thought out. They're often things that people come up with at the last minute. So let's get a jump on things and plan ahead. For that, stay tuned, and I'll talk to you later. Bye now.